You're listening to the Eltham Baptist Church Podcast. Well, I want to talk this morning about a particular matter in which I know you're all good, but God wants you to be better. You're all good at it, but God wants you to be better. And I believe that uh, this morning, he is committed to helping you increase in this area. Um, We've been um, talking about at EBC here, and I do this little review week after week, and I hope it's helpful for those of you who are here every week. But if you happen to have missed a week or it's your very first time here at Alpha, maybe it's helpful. But we've been learning to be disciples of Jesus Christ, wanting to bring him much glory by being fruit-bearing disciples. And we don't have to strive at bearing fruit because fruit is the inevitability of abiding in him. And so abiding in him is kind of a key component to what it means to being a disciple of Jesus Christ. I think most of you could probably all do that spiel, couldn't you? You could just do that with your eyes shut, and which is fantastic. And so that A means, and maybe I'll get you to do some of the heavy lifting now. Um, so, so the A, B, I, D, and E all mean something else. They're all prompts for ways or, which, or, or things which will stimulate our abiding in Jesus Christ. And the A reminds us to do it all together. Fantastic. And in a, in a fast-paced world, the B is a reminder that we ought to be, be still. Fantastic. Well, that's hardly enthusiastic, but anyway... <laughs> We'll get there. The, the I is of all of the people in the world that we might want to, we want to imitate Jesus Christ. Absolutely. The D is a reminder that we need to be devoted to one another. Still lacking a little enthusiasm, but we're going to get there. Yeah, we'll, we'll try that one again. D is to remind us to be... Oh, there we go. That sounded like it. <laughs> Great. Yeah, love one another. Fantastic. And then the E is, we haven't got there yet, but some of you already already know this. We want to be envoys of grace. Envoys of grace. It's okay. We, we haven't got there. Why wouldn't we be ambassadors like Paul talks about? Is Because a, a, a beta just didn't work. So, so we're going to be envoys instead. Envoys of grace. Um, and... Uh, um, you've probably worked out that despite all of my best intentions at scheduling the E in before Christmas, I've got something for you in 2016 <laughs> in reserve. So <laughs> we might not get there. But I can't wait. It's, hey, Christmas is upon us. I can't wait to get into a little bit of Advent. Actually, next week, uh, just by way of a reminder, in the morning we're going to talk about the role of women in ministry and leadership in particular. That We're going to do that in the morning. We'll have a couple of testimonies in the morning too from a couple of the folk who were recently on the Greek uh, trip um, building and, and renovating uh, buildings for refugees in Athens. And then in the evening, it's all over to them. We're going to hand over to the, to the team, and they're going to have an opportunity to share all of their stories from Greece. And there are some very beautiful, very moving stories. So please be with us um, if, you, if you can. And then also next week, as, as Gudrun said, the interaction. We were concerned that you would just be getting bored at this time of the year. So we have filled next Sunday jam-packed with, with good things for you. Isn't that, isn't that lovely? Yes. yes. <laughs> just what you want at this time of the year. Okay, we're on the D. Uh, how do we love one another? Jesus commands it. It's not optional. Uh, 1335. John 13, 35, I give you a new command, love one another. And it was a new command. This was, this, was, this was the mark of discipleship of somebody who was truly following Jesus. And uh, in, in Romans 12, Paul expresses it, be devoted to one another, love each other. That devotion is the, the mark of whether or not we really measure up to being the people of God, to being his church. Do we, do, do we really love one another? I mean, it's a fantastic thing to say. It's a very easy thing to say. But are we really a community that is marked by our love and our devotion for one another? This is, this is, this is big stuff. And so we've been kind of exploring that. In fact, we, we kind of went the, the opposite way in terms, of, in terms of understanding love. We looked at what are the love stoppers? What are the things in our lives that can actually stop us from, from being the very best lovers that we could be, from being all that Jesus has made us to be? What are the barriers to love? And, and as I said, I could have, I could have picked any, any of Paul's lists like jealousy and anger and all of those sorts of things um, and, and envy, but I knew that none of you struggled with that. So instead, I kind of created this, this other kind of a list, and Jesus talks very directly about it. One of the barriers to love, which we, which we covered, actually 
quite a number of weeks ago. My, my twin brother from Zambia, Felix Machumba, he covered that for us, and he talked about the issue of forgiveness. And one of the barriers, very obvious barriers to love, is if you are harboring unforgiveness in your heart. If there is unforgiveness there, guess what? You just cannot love. You can't. It's a love stopper. You can't do it. And then uh, we took a little bit of a, little bit of a break, and, and I shared last week, um, again, about another love stopper or barrier to love, and that is fear. Fear will stop you from loving other people. And it's one of those bizarre things that we often don't talk about, fear, because, well, by and large, most of us don't necessarily feel derailed by this issue. But I guarantee that in some area of your life, every single one of us suffers from fear. And when all of a sudden you're just, you're just going along fine and, and, and in some particular relationship or some particular area of life, you just find yourself halted suddenly and alarmingly, but you're not quite sure why, it is quite possible that it is fear. And at the root of all fear is a matter of unbelief. There is an area in our life where our belief system needs to be tweaked. And God loves to do that, so that's the good news. But fear can be another love stopper, another barrier to love. And I wanted to talk about one more um, this, this week. I wanted to talk about, and I was looking for another F word that could be shared in church. And, and so this last love stopper or barrier to love is, is, is this frugality. Do you like that? It, it took me a while to come up with that, so please like it. Fr- frugality. <laughs> um, being frugal. Do you, do you know that term? It's probably not one that our generation uses so, so much, but, um, but we're kind of a bit of a consumerist mindset. But, but to, to hold back, to, to be reserved, to careful, and it can actually have a very, very good connotation when there are meager resources, you've got to be careful of them. Uh, back in, back in uh, war times, you did literally... Um, uh, have meager resources, and you needed to, to ration them. You needed to be frugal. Um, it was, that would be a character quality that I would have attributed to my granddad. I remember he was a very frugal man, very, very careful, a great steward of his, of his finances. And so frugality can, can actually have a very good connotation. But in the matter of love, frugality, holding back, imagining that you only have meager resources out of which to love others, that's actually not a good thing. And it misses the fact that we are a people who have been loved greatly and in Christ have a capacity for enormous love. We really do. We have incredible capacity for love. In this area, there should be no excuse for frugality, for holding back. Now, there can be many justifications why in a particular relationship or a friendship, you might say to yourself, you know what, I, 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 think, I think I'm just going to pull back a little bit here. I think I need to put some boundaries in place. I think I need to just hold back a little bit because, you know what, this person could absolutely consume me. And I just don't have what they need. And that's probably true. They probably need Jesus, not you. In fact, I can guarantee that. Nonetheless... Amidst all of the various justifications for holding back our love, Jesus calls us to, to stand countercultural and counterintuitive to what we might think we need to do in a particular situation. And Jesus calls us to be absolutely lavish, to be, to be carefree and open and the most loving people that we possibly can. Would you turn with me to Luke chapter 6? We're going to read a few verses here. Verse 27 to 36. Luke chapter 6, verses 27 to 36. Okay, verse 27. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. 
If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. Do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great. And you will be children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Let me just read a couple, couple more verses here. I don't believe this necessarily needs to split like it is in, in many of our Bibles. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, in amongst these verses here are some pretty hard sayings of Jesus, aren't they? I, I imagine that all of us feel, at some point here, uh, tested to think to ourselves, you know what? Jesus isn't expecting us to be literal here. Like, you know, if someone, you know, wants my coat, giving them my shirt as well is, is kind of awkward. It leaves me down the street, shirtless, coatless, and just, it's, it's a blight on society. It's, you know, I just shouldn't be without a shirt. Um, and, 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 there are, and, and really, turn the other cheek, I've been slapped once, be, be slapped Twice, you know, I guess that's figurative, huh? I mean, there is so many ways in which we just want to water these words down. They're, they're tough words. This is, this is some tough commands by, by Jesus here. But I actually wonder whether it's quite the opposite. Jesus wants us to take him literally. In fact, Jesus wants us to really test him on this and to kind of say, well, why stop there? I mean, hand over your trousers as well. I, I, I wonder whether Jesus wouldn't want us to just be absolutely lavish in these areas. Turn one cheek, turn the other, and then uh, uh, present your nose. Um, I, I just wonder whether or not we can't go the extra mile in all of this and take Jesus literally at his word. Be people who are known to love lavishly. It's a little bit like we use the, the image of the, of the telescope when I'm trying to understand love. It's, it's desiring somebody else's best, wanting the absolute best for somebody else to, to scope out what their needs are. Uh, scopeo is, is the word that is used in Philippians 2.4, and we think of the, the, um, the English word for a telescope. It's like taking a telescope and turning it around and scoping out what other people's needs are, thinking, I know what is in your best interests, and I desire that. I'm going to work for that. I'm going to labor intensely for that which is in your best interests. Jesus is here inviting us to, to live permanently at the small end of the telescope, to, to not have the whole thing always focused on me. Can you see me? Can you see me? <laughs> Scope me out. No, but to turn that thing around and to say, I'm going to live my life at the small end of the telescope, live my life intentionally directing myself in an, in an attitude of wanting the best for other people, scoping out what is in their best interests and living intentionally to try to meet that. Now, that's easy to say, hard to do, isn't it? But here is an invitation to live permanently at the small end of the telescope and to be a person who is known for their love. And that's our invitation today, I believe. Jesus is inviting you to go a, a step further in terms of learning to love. This is what you were being created for. And we're going to, going to get into that in, in just a moment. In fact, look at verse, verse 35 here. Love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High. Interesting. You will be children of the Most High. Apparently, you see... God, our Father, is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. So we are invited to be merciful just as your Father is merciful. 
In other words, Jesus is, is saying here, behave like your heavenly father. Let the pedigree show. Let the fact that you are a legitimate child of God show through your life by the way that you love others. Love the same way that your heavenly father loves. Show other people whose child you really are. That's the invitation here. Your heavenly father is the most extravagant lover there is. And you're his child. Imitate him. Let there be no doubt about your pedigree. Imitate your heavenly father. Let other people know that you belong to the king because of the way in which you love just like he loves. You're merciful just like he is merciful. You're kind just like he is kind. Let there be no doubt about this. Let people understand, oh, I know, I know who your daddy is. You're just like him. And it's not the blue eyes, and it's not the, it's, you know, it's, it's the way you love. I've seen that love before. You're his child, aren't you? That's what Jesus is inviting us to do, to, to show our pedigree as it is. Apparently, God is merciful, God is generous, God is loving. Be like him. Give generously. Verse 38 is essentially saying that. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down. Shaken together and running over, it will be poured into your lap. For the measure you use will be measured to you as, as well. Live generous lives of love that show whose child you really are. That's the invitation. That's the increase that, that God wants to give you today. Tough stuff. Can anyone really love this way like Jesus is expecting them to love? Like, you, you, you know... There are situations in your life, aren't there? You have your, your enemies, arch rivals in the traffic. Sinister people who only want your demise. And they're in front of you. And they cut you off, in fact. We have our enemies. People who are who are not paying things that they owe. And people who have withheld love in one way or another have insulted us to others, have said unkind words, gossip, things that should never have been shared, that were shared in confidence. You, we all have enemies. And Jesus says, you know who they are, love them. But what if they don't love me back? Exactly. Expect Expect no return, really. Live generous lives of love that show whose child you are. Essentially, um, it's a little bit like this. We, we, we often picture ourselves as, as like, like reservoirs of, of love and affection. And as God fills us up, you know, we get larger and larger and larger. And that's what we have. We're, we're a reservoir of love. And that's it. And uh, some of us feel like we're at 30%. Some of us feel like we're at 60%. Some of us feel like we're at 90%. Others of us are just kind of, oh, the love of God, I am, I am, I am flooding here. I am, this is dangerous. You know, there's water going everywhere. Um, different times in our lives, we can, we can feel dry or we can feel full. We're a reservoir of love. God has poured into us and, and there we are. But let me change that picture a little bit. I believe... The problem with that picture of being a reservoir of love is that it's, it's quantifiable. It's an amount. It's a degree. It's a, you, you know, but, but however big your life is, somehow you can only hold that much. I don't believe that the God would, would quantify our capacity to love others or to love him. Rather than reservoirs, I actually wonder whether we're like rivers and some of us are, are little streams that are just, just finding their way, you know, already just cutting their way through a hill. Others are like the, like the, the Murray River, which is, you know, for, for, for centuries has just been, been cut across the landscape, dividing one state from another. God wants us to be rivers. He wants us to, to allow a, a ceaseless flow of, of grace and love to come through our lives. As much as, as much as is poured into us, it is poured out at the same time. 
And when we live like a river, guess what? It shapes us. If you want to be shaped to be more and more like God, live like a river, not like a reservoir. A reservoir is kind of static. It'll, it'll expand a little bit, and it can flood at times. But, but you know what? It's, it's really pretty much contained. And Jesus is inviting us here to not be a reservoir, but a river, to just be, be this continuous flow of love and grace. As much as God pours in, it pours out as well. In fact, the more he pours in, it, it cuts and it shapes us and it enlarges us so that we can actually... Uh, even receive a greater capacity. The more that the God, you know, cuts and shapes our lives and, and just enlarges us, so that we're almost almost like a like a canyon now of 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 love and grace flowing through us. The more that God does that, the more we are capable of receiving love and and giving it out once more. So we're to live like rivers, not like reservoirs. There's there's a limitless amount of love that God wants to pour into our life, but we're just going to keep letting it go, letting it go, letting it go, and, and, and trust that, that God will continue to pour into us. You'll notice that in verse 38, Jesus says, give, and it will, will be given to you um, as well. If you, want to be, if you want to be shaped to be like God, then, then live large, live like a river. Give, because it will be given to you. Now, at first, that might seem to be a little bit of a contradiction. Notice that in verse 35, um, Jesus says, Lend and do not expect to get anything back. On the one hand, he say, Give and it will be given. On the other hand, Lend and don't expect to receive anything back. So what is Jesus saying there? Is that a little bit of a, a contradiction? Well, no. The reward for our giving that Jesus here is stating is simply a fact. It's not an incentive. If we give... Because of the incentive, ah, I'll, I'll, I'll receive back, won't I? That's all right. I'll give because I will get given back. Well, well that's treating, that's treating the, you know, the, the reward that you're going to get something back is all of a sudden uh, compromising your love and your gift. It's becoming an incentive to give rather than just a, a statement of fact. And Jesus is simply saying, or stating what, what Paul says in Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 to 10. You know, truly, what, whatever it is that you sow, you are going to reap as well. The harvest that you reap is simply that which you have sown. But notice here, that Jesus is saying, when you give, there, there, is, there is a reward. It will be given to you. But notice, it will be pressed down. It will be shaken together. It will be running over and poured into your lap. In other words, when you give out, God gives back to you, but he, but he gives in a very, very generous way. I still remember my very first um, New Zealand ice cream. I was up on the Gold Coast, and, and, and it's nasty. They cook these waffles and then blow the smell out towards the crowd. And so I did what just everybody else was doing. I was just following my nose and found myself standing at the counter of the New Zealand ice creamery. And, and, and then I, I kind of thought, well, what, what, would I, what would I get if I were to get something, you know? And um, I had picked about 17 flavors. And then I looked at the price list and I was thinking, wow, I have never seen an ice cream that expensive. Um, boy, I better just, I don't know, I, well, let's do it. And then to my delight, I noticed that these were generous scoops. I mean, it was pressed down. They, it was like they couldn't fit enough ice cream in this waffle. It was pressed down. And then, they, and then just when you thought, you cannot possibly stack anything more on top of that thing. I'm going to die of ice cream. And then they did. They found room for another scoop. And then it's kind of, would you like cream with that? You think, where are you going to put cream? I'll tell you what. Ah, but no, they found a place to put cream and then chocolate and nuts. And then they kind of, you get this thing. It's, wow, this could feed a nation for a year. It was like, it was just so generous. Well, that's how God is saying he will give back to you. You give, he's going to press it down. He's going to load you up. He is going to, it's going to be spilling into your lap. So give and it will be given to you. In fact, give with the sort of measure that, well, you would like to be given. Pressed down, piled up, flowing over. Give that way because God promises he will give back to you in the same way. 
give with the same measure that you hope somebody will measure out their, their love for you as well. Well, here are, here are a few of these hard sayings, and what does Jesus, Jesus mean? In, in verse um, 27, he says, Love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. What is he saying here? He's saying, love those who are unlikely to return it. Love those who are unlikely to return it because of their circumstances, because of their situation, maybe even because of their particular disposition. They're very, very unlikely to return the generosity that you show them, but love them anyway. There's a lovely moment on our recent, recent trip We'd um, gone up uh, in, in Greece. The team had gone up to Porto Astro to, um, to, to basically look at a couple of jobs up there, but to also just have a little bit of a Sabbath day. And it was a, it was a lovely day. And uh, it'll be long remembered, um, but there was a, a couple, of, um, couple of chaps who worked up on the site there, both from Albania. Many years ago, they were refugees. And now as two Albanians, they were working on the campsite there and they made us this uh, spaghetti lunch and, you know, set up the tables and, with tablecloths and so forth. I mean, they really just spoiled us. And then um, they, there was a little bit of a, we, we knew about their, their grocery list of what it, was, what it cost them to feed us for, for that lunchtime. And so we were going to pay them back and, and it just came from the team. Somebody on the team, and I don't remember who, somebody on the team just said, you know what, let's not just reimburse them. Let's bless them. They will, and, and, and really, they would have no capacity to give back to us. They really wouldn't. And we were going shortly, so they couldn't put out another meal. They would have no capacity whatsoever to give back to us. But the guys, the whole team, ended up just taking up an offering right there and then. And I, I, I don't know to this day how much it was. Somebody else looked after that. But it was somebody else's suggestion. Let's just bless them. Look how they've blessed us. Let's, let's bless them in return. We know they'll never give back to us. That's not the point. We just want to bless them. And so the team right there and then took up this lovely offering. Jesus is saying here, essentially love those who are unlikely to be able to return it. Do it. It's the most wonderful feeling in all the world. And then in verse, verse 31, do to others as you would have them do to you. You probably, probably even learned that. Um, old primary schools many, many years ago used to teach that as the golden rule, didn't they? Do to others as you would have them do to you. Treat others as you would like to be treated. Um, in this regard, I was, I was very, very moved by this year as we were reflecting as a team upon, you know, what are some of God's blessings this year to us as a church? And I thought about one that particularly moved me, and that was when we first started, started negotiations with Melbourne School of Theology. You know, would there be somebody who might be available to just come out and, and take a few, a few sessions at this new initiative we've got called 412? I mean, probably I, in my wildest dreams, I had hoped that maybe they would send a lecturer who would have done, you know, a, a maybe a series of four, and if they came back four times and did a series of four lectures, I mean, I would have just been pumped. I would have been delighted. I would have thought, wow, who, who are we of all of the churches in Victoria? I mean, even just Baptist churches, there's, there's a couple of hundred of us. Who are we, you know, to have, you know, a lecturer for four, four whole weeks? And MST just seemed to treat us in the same way that perhaps they would like to be treated, but they just showed this incredible generosity where, where, where Tim, the principal, says, yeah, oh, I'd love to come out and just share with you. Well, great, well, what weeks will we lock you in for? Oh, well, I could do the year for you. <laughs> really? I mean, like you've got nothing else to do, that you don't live down on the Mornington Peninsula? Really? And then on top of that, let me tell you who else we've got on faculty. Maybe, maybe some of these other guys would be of interest. And so to have Bernie Powers from MST and from InterServe to, to come and share with us, and Greg Forbes, and, and then uh, Tom Kimber last week to, to fill in whenever there was even a gap. I was just amazed. I was blown away by their generosity. You know, I'm not just pumping them up. I'm just saying, here is a demonstration 
of how even a, you know, an organization, just like we as a church, an organization can, can just go the extra mile and treat others as, as they would like to be treated. Verse 35, Jesus says, we mentioned this before, love your enemies, do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Don't expect a return on your love. Um, I've seen little examples of this in the last week. I rocked up to church last week. Apparently, there must have been, been a bit of a party, I guess, on the Saturday night in our car park. I mean, you, you know, when you have, have a party, you're looking for a venue, aren't you? And many of you have looked and coveted that car park. You kind of thought, yeah, I want to have a party in the car park. It's obvious. Uh, but, but, but people were finding it difficult to hang on to their beer bottles. And, uh, and I don't know how many, but, but that car park, was, the glass was not just smashed and not just smashed in one area. The car park out there had glass smashed all over it. Now, many of you don't know because it's still stuck in your tires. No, it's not. Why is it not stuck in your tires? Because two people who remain anonymous and, and one of them, just in his teens, were out there with a shovel and a brush just cleaning up the glass before the service. I drove past... They just both have big smiles on their faces, just, just serving, just doing something, a little act of kindness, which would, which would mostly go, go unnoticed. Um, loving and not expecting a return. What was the return on that? No return. No return whatsoever. Just, just loving. Act of kindness that usually would, would go largely unnoticed. You know... We are called to love as we have been loved, to love as God loves us. Romans chapter 8 and verse 32, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. Oh, how will he not also, along with him, graciously, graciously give us all things? Isn't that beautiful? The heavenly Father did not even spare his own son. And him who gave him up, and along with him, along with Christ Jesus, he will graciously give us all things. Um, one of my favorite little life verses, um, Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that lives, but Christ who lives within me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. This is the bit, this is, this is the clincher for me. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Absorb those words. Here is Jesus who, who loved you and gave himself for you. We have been loved extravagantly. So love. So love in the same way that you have been loved. Show your pedigree. Show whose child you really are. Love like your father has loved you. Love like your, your older brother demonstrates you should, you should love. They've given us great examples. Now go do likewise. Love and show that you are from the same family line. It's an invitation today to risky love because you know that love is risky, don't you? There are all sorts of risks, humanly speaking. We could, we could compile a risk register. We, we might find ourselves out of pocket momentarily. We might not get anything back. Absolutely. Our love might be rejected. Possible. So many risks. But here's an invitation to step out into risky love. I wonder what that might look like for you this week. And the easiest application for this is to, is to think about the five love languages as um, described by, I think it's Gary Chapman, is it? Yeah. Words of affirmation. Words are a wonderful thing, aren't they? <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> I'm a words guy. Words can build up. Words can be like a wrecking ball. And if, if your words have been swinging around like a wrecking ball lately, <laughs> that can be remedied. Maybe, maybe a sincere apology is required. Words, but they're important. I recall in my early days as a, 
as a young father, just being pushed to my limits and, and, and doing or saying something very regrettable. I don't know what it was. Can't remember. But I do remember this. Just that, that feeling afterwards of utter failure. And I remember turning to my very, very wise wife saying, what do I do? Like I really, really mucked up. What do I do? And she had the most incredible wisdom. She said, say sorry? <laughs> incredible. Who would have thought? <laughs> Amazing. So I did. It worked. I guess I just had fatherhood on this pedestal up here. I called, we, but we don't muck up. We're God, right? <laughs> I just had fatherhood right up here on a pedestal. You, you know, you can't admit you got it wrong. You know, there's a funny excuse for that or something. I don't know. <laughs> but, but I couldn't work it out. And Bron just said, say sorry. And so uh, I'm so glad that... That came up as a young father, so I was able to, to continually say sorry, just make a habit of saying sorry, and say sorry quick and, and often. And, you know, it's just a part of my vocab now. Um, but you can do it. You can do it. And you develop a number of things in your kids. One, they're grateful. Two, they know you're not perfect. But three, you, you show them what they need to do when they fail as well. It's okay. Failure is not final. You can, we can move on from here. Words. So maybe words. Words of affirmation. Words of encouragement. Encourage one another daily. Giving encourage. Giving courage to somebody who needs it right now. Words can be a wonderful gift. Love with words. Gifts. Love with gifts. Lovely little story. And when won't say names, but a lovely little story I just heard um, recently was uh, of, you, you know, I've um, written a letter to you know, the whole church family talking about how God is building us and, and various aspects of building and, and rebuilding our finances, which are a bit depleted this year. And anyway, it was meant to be read as families and so forth. Well, this family did read the letter. And uh, so this, this one, one little, little chap who I, who I think would be, be 10 or under, um, you know, read the letter and was very, very moved by it and wanted to give his whole week's pocket money to the church to that as his little contribution to try and, try and help the church with their finances. I was so moved by that. That is amazing. Generosity, giving, gifts. I, I know some amazing gift givers in our church. And um, it's precious to watch them in action. Now, it don't have to always be extravagant and expensive gifts and that sort of thing, but just the right sort of a gift. Just that right sort of little encouragement at the, at the right time. And for other people, it's, it's time, isn't it? Words, gifts, time, quality time. Bron was on a train, um, it was a couple of years ago, I think, going, going into the city with Jade for, for one reason or another, probably, probably the parking issue. You know, they were, they were heading in on the train. And, and uh, this particular, particular chap, um, you, you know, nicely presented in a way, but, but, but clothing was you know, clean, but, but threadbare, and, and there was, he was the sort of chap that would make many people feel ill at ease, um, and yet lovely, lovely, just, just socially awkward. Bron sat down next to him in those little, you know, you've got two seats and two seats, and it's kind of unavoidable, you are, you're, you're a group, you're a group. <laughs> And he leant forward, you know, a number of times, introduced himself and, 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 and shook Bron's hand and, and did that about every five minutes for the entire trip into the city. Introduced himself, shook her hand, and, uh, and, and just chatted the whole time. Other people in the train were moving, you know, away a little bit, finding other seats and, you know, at appropriate times. And, and Bron just listened. Pretty comfortable, actually, she is with with folk that might, might make some, some squirm. But he was, a, he was a soft soul. He was a nice guy. Um, nothing, nothing there to make her feel nervous or awkward or threatened in any way. And she just listened. Listened to him all the way in about his passion for computers and all sorts of things. And how he likes to catch the train into the city because there's people to talk to. 
<laughs> and although at times she probably felt she was taking a shot for the team, um, but she just, just spent that entire trip going in until um, one of the last stations towards the city, he, he hopped out. And, and a lady close to Bron, who was just, this was way out of a paradigm, just said, I can't believe that. I can't believe you did what you just did. And Bron's sort of, sort of thinking, just listened, just showed love, just, just, just listened and got several introductions along the way, you know. <laughs> it was no, no big deal. But she and many other people on the train who had been watching were just aghast that, that somebody would just show that interest, give that person the time of day. Time. It's a wonderful way to demonstrate love. Words of affirmation, words, gifts, time, um, service. How do, you, how do you serve others? How do you serve random people? I, I was reminded what I need to do, and I, was, I thought, you know, I'll, I'll encourage everybody to do this, I think, when I get to church. But um, I just discovered the other day um, Westfield Shopping Centre's new parking system. Have you noticed it? You no longer get a tag. It was a great mystery to me. They are um, um, reading your number plates as you, as you drive in now. Anyway, um, we started to, to do that at around this time. It's the battle for the car park, isn't it? And, uh, and, and as somebody else was shooting for a car park, I remember, I remember last year being, being chided by my daughter about some of my driving habits in, in car parks. And uh, I remember, okay, this year, this is the new me. This is, this is Pastor Stewart. And... And as this car shot for the car park, I remember just, just, just holding back and thinking, be my guest, please. Is there anything else I can give you? The shirt off my back or something. <laughs> shirt comes with it. You know. you know, and I kind of thought, I think that's going to be my little, my little challenge to myself. And if any of you others struggle with this as well, it's going to be my little challenge to myself this year during the, the, crazy, the crazy time is to every time I go to the car park, to give away at least one spot. There's my challenge. You can ask me later how I go on that. But imagine if we did that. Imagine if we, if we all did, wow, imagine if we all did that. Once, once a week, we'd be giving away some, some 300, some 300s. Nobody's going to park. This would be one mighty traffic jam. Um, but just serving, finding, finding random little ways to serve others, to, to stop for those bewildered people who are just, just lost and I just need, need some direction or, or something, or an encouraging word or a smile when things are just getting a little bit frantic and a little bit too much, you know? Um, finding ways to serve one another as well. For many of us, um, you know, we just go through the paces around this time of the year, but for some of us, it's a really, really challenging time of the year. Um, Christmas can be a very, very challenging time, particularly if you've lost a loved one or or there are tensions in your family, or some, some other matter. In, in terms of the usual celebration with all of the beautiful set, uh, sentiment and, and joy and so forth, it can be difficult, it can be challenging, it can be, it can be a bit of a tough time. And so to reach out to those of us who, for some reason or another, Christmas might not be that wonderful celebration that, that it often is, and to, and to just be, be particularly gentle and comforting with one another is a, is a wonderful thing. And sometimes physical touch, and you kind of think, well, well, this is a little bit of a strange one, isn't it? How do you, how do you show physical touch? How do, you, how do you receive it? For me, I'm making myself willing for a one-hour massage from Bron. For, for, just allow her to be able to express this particular, particular gift. How do, you, how do you give that, though? Um, I remember when I was at city, city traffic policing, and I... I was talking to the young people. They were on a retreat. The youth leaders are on a retreat this week, and I was sharing a little bit about, um, for, for me, my, my time in the Victoria Police was, was when God was really teaching me about lifestyle evangelism, like how to be a, a real witness day to day with, with others. And, and it's probably why it just sticks in my mind so much. It was, it was the first time I'd really intentionally tried to be um, an ambassador, an envoy of grace, a missionary, a, a witness for Jesus in the marketplace, really intentionally. 
And so there were lots of lessons over that time. But one of them was those cold winter nights. And in those, those days, we had the, the big grape coat and, and leather gloves and, and, and scarves and hats. And, and uh, you, you probably remember the old big white traffic gloves and so forth. And so that was, that was me. That was that era. And uh, walking the city streets. But I, I, I didn't mind the Burke Street Mall. And I didn't mind Collins Street, Swanson Street. I didn't mind all the, the usual big ones. But I loved the alleyways. Oh, that was where you found stuff. And uh, so I used to, you know, on, on a foot patrol, and particularly when I had young recruits with me, you know, it was usually an, an, an exploration of the lesser-known areas of Melbourne. If, if it was dark, if it was daunting, if it looked like you shouldn't go there, yes, that was... So I, I, would, I would patrol the alleyways of Melbourne. And, uh, and there I, I found and discovered not... not criminals and hard-nosed bad people, but vagrants, the homeless, and so forth. And got to know them by name and chat with them and find out their circumstances and so forth, down in those, those alleyways behind dumpsters and so forth. And, and, um, and I recall a particular time have, having a chat with a homeless man and and just, you know, weighing, weighing up, he was, there's something I could do, could I get you to the Gill Memorial or something, and, and just weighing that up, and, and, then, and then and he was grubby. I mean, he, were, he stank, that beautiful aroma of urine and alcohol mixed. And, and I remember him, you know, after our lovely little chat, just sticking out of his, his grubby, filthy hand to be shaked. And, and I stuck out mine safely enclosed within my leather glove. <laughs> it was a good little system, i got to tell you. <laughs> and as I'm shaking his hand, I remember the Lord saying, take the glove off. And I was, oh, Jesus. <laughs> okay, he can heal. <laughs> and I remember just letting that gentleman touch a physical hand probably something he hadn't done in a long, long time. In terms of physical touch, sometimes I wonder, and, and maybe whether it's not literal but even symbolic for the way we reach out to others, is Jesus asking you to take the gloves off, to just go a step further and to, and to find ways to speak into the sometimes very difficult and complex array of wounds and hurt that makes up many people in our society. Frugality. Let's not be frugal in the area of our love. Let's be generous. God asks us to, to allow forgiveness to replace rejection, to allow belief to replace fear, and to allow generosity to replace frugality. Rejection, fear, frugality, they're barriers to love. They're love stoppers. They will stop us from, from demonstrating the love that the Father has shown for us. But it's necessary and it's important. And if you want to be shaped to be more and more like God, then, then don't be a reservoir. Be a river. Allow the love of God to, to flow freely through you to others. Show that you are indeed a child of the king. Show who you belong to. Show whose family line you are from. Love like you have been loved. Love extravagantly like your king, your heavenly father. Love as Jesus has loved you and as he laid down his life for you. Live big and generous lives that demonstrate the bigness and the generosity of the love of God. And we do that to the world outside us. But guess what? It starts here. It starts here. If we just love outsiders, but we do not love one another, we cannot be counted as his disciples. It really is that simple. It begins within the family. We must demonstrate love within the family. And so we reach out to one another. We will finish shortly We'll have that wonderful break we all look forward to where we, we linger and have tea and coffee together. And why do we do that? Because we don't have homes to go to? 
because we don't have the, you know, things which are calling upon our time. We do it to bless one another. That's why. Because somebody in this room right now is hurting. We need to find them. Because somebody doesn't quite feel they belong yet. And you can't take a sense of belonging for yourself, can you? It needs to be given to you. So we need to find who that person is. Somebody in this room right now is hurting, and they need to be prayed for. But we need to find who that is. Somebody is feeling lonely. Somebody's feeling overlooked. Somebody's just doing it tough. Somebody received bad news this week. Who are they? I don't know. But I bet you if every single one of us are looking out for those people, we'll find them. We'll find them. And we'll minister to them. And serve whatever it is that God has for us to dish up. And so we love the habit of, of lingering and staying and praying. And, and yes, we have prayer in this corner, but look around after a Sunday morning. There's prayer over here and there and here and, and out in the balcony and down under a tree. And I love it. That's family. And that's what we do. So God calls us to be devoted to one another and let the family do it first. And then, as you have received, give. Give. Are you looking forward to morning tea in a moment? It's not just the coffee. This coffee's good. It's not just the coffee. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this dear... Dear group of people, my brothers and sisters in Christ, here we are, siblings of Jesus, with the opportunity and the challenge to show your love to one another. We have been loved extravagantly, and now we have an opportunity to show that love extravagantly. Would you help us, Lord, amidst the busyness, the confusion. The difficulty and the pain and our own situations to rise above all of that and be willing to reach out to one another and to take off the gloves. Help us in this matter, Jesus. We need to grow. We want to grow. We know that you can grow us. We invite you to do so through your Holy Spirit. Thank you. Amen. You've been listening to the Eltham Baptist Church podcast. If you'd like to hear more or simply pay us a visit, go to www.elthambaptist.net.